Welcome to Kripalu Perspectives, enlightening interviews with leading teachers, authors, and thinkers associated with Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, located in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. I'm Portland Helmick, your host, and today I'm talking to Ray Christ, a Kripalu yoga teacher who's traveled through Mexico and Peru in search of indigenous healers. Ray's apprenticed with three shamans from lineages as old as the Inca civilization and the Amazon jungle shamans. He also has a background in Chinese medicine, Thai yoga, and martial arts. In connection with his school, the Jaguar Path, Ray currently offers retreats throughout the world in which he teaches contemporary Westerners how to use shamanic tools and yoga to live a more balanced and empowered life. Thanks so much for being here, Ray. Thank you for having me, Portland. So ultimately, I would like to talk about how shamanic tools can help us live a more balanced and empowered life. But first, I think it's important to just have you define shamanism. Well, the word shaman itself comes from the Tagusic language and means the knower. So for centuries, essentially, the man or woman in the tribe or community who was more aware of the surroundings, more aware of what plants could help heal one thing or the other, were the ones that were called upon to heal and help the person, the ones that knew. For centuries, again, the shamans played the role of the doctor, the psychotherapist, even the doula. So even to today, if you go throughout the world, although we feel that perhaps there's not too many shamans in the West, the truth is that throughout the planet, in remote villages, in mountains, in deserts and jungles, the predominant doctors are still the shamans. And I know that they make use of many tools to heal the body, the mind, and the spirit. But for now, can you just give an example of one shamanic healing practice that most average people might not be familiar with, just to give us a taste of what it's about? Well, depending on the region and the lineage of each shamanic line, there are different tools. But I'll refer to one tool that came to us in the West by the great man, Dr. Carl Jung, the therapist, who studied with the shamans of Africa and brought a lot of their technologies to therapy itself. And that's called the sand painting. And what Carl Jung did is he actually called it a sand tray, bringing a tray of sand into his office with several stones. And here he understood how well-versed the shamans were in the power of symbolism. So he would give to the client the tray with sand and say, choose these stones and appoint the people, persons, or situations that you're dealing with and place them in the place that you feel you are now with your family or with your health and with your work. And then he would have the client relocate the stone. He would ask them simply, so where would you like to be? So changing the placement of the stones in the tray itself would allow for the mind to see the change. And through the symbolism, change the neuropathways in the mind, the electric signals in the mind that would change the signals sent to the pituitary gland and the whole endocrine system. It sounds like magic, but it's not, right? It's the magic of neurology. Essentially, even in magic, there's mechanisms behind. And that's what I've cared to mostly study with the shamans to understand the power and the mechanisms of how they actually make the subtle changes that can bring change and empowerment to our life. So I mentioned when I introduced you that you're a Kripalu yoga teacher. I'm wondering, how do yoga and shamanism perceive health and illness similarly? Because I believe that you believe that they do. 
Well, yogis and shamans alike understand that the energy moves in the body and channels the meridians, or as referred to in yoga, the nadis. Both yogis and shamans alike understand that traumatic experiences are embedded in the body itself as cellular memory, and they both offer practices to release the cellular memory from the body. So can you give some examples of a few different postures and what energy blocks they clear? Absolutely. Take the warrior, for example. Uh, The warrior posture itself opens the kidney meridians. It opens the lung meridians and the heart. It enhances one's steadiness on the planet, clarity of intention, and self-confidence. Warrior two and warrior one should be a practice you want to do before you go to take an interview or before you go into an important meeting. You walk in with a warrior's air about you, energy about you. Down dog. Down dog helps us come back to our roots. We become more rooted with the earth. And it opens one of the longest meridians in the body, or the longest meridian in the body. This is responsible for moving of water. So it changes our emotion. And on a very physical level, it also helps us drain the lymphatic system. Savasana, I think, is the most important and one of the places where you really see yoga and shamanism meeting together is the common practice where the shamans, as you may have heard, exit their body to go into the spirit world. This is exactly what the yogi does. At the end of the practice, not only are we resting, not only are we integrating the benefits of all the postures in the nervous system and internal organs, but even more importantly, we are opening the pineal gland and exiting the body, coming into the realm between the dream world and the spirit world. And it is there that we're almost like, in a sense, making a deposit to our karmic account and saying, here's one more hour of practice of yoga. And we receive the benefits on a karmic level. And we see through months and years of practice how our life begins to change. You say, Ray, that yoga and shamanism come together on the Jaguar path, which is the name of your school. What do you mean by the Jaguar path and what is its relationship to shamanism? The Jaguar path, besides being the name of my school, is a path one takes when one decides to take life in their own hands. When one decides to heal themselves and to empower themselves and change the relationship in life. One of the things that we see that is used a lot in shamanism in Peru is the use of power animals. In fact, the Incas are referring to what is called the Inca Trilogy, three power animals, the serpent, the jaguar, and the condor. And these three realms essentially symbolize exactly what yoga is talking about, the body, the mind, and the spirit. The serpent represents the body. Now the serpent, shamans tell us, helps us know, helps us learn how to shed our skin and let go of the past. The jaguar represents the mind. The jaguar helps us how to have a clear mind, a focused mind, and have power of intent in all our actions. The condor flies high above and allows us to see our life from far above the greater picture and to understand what is happening, what is important. And essentially, the condor represents the soul. So those three words we hear so much in yoga, the body, the mind, and the spirit, are absolutely represented in the Inca shamanic work, the serpent, the jaguar, the condor. Again, with the serpent, we shed our skin. On the mat, when we practice, we release cellular memory of traumas from our body. 
the jaguar represents the mind. If you want, we're changing that monkey mind to a jaguar mind from being chattering and being all over the place. It becomes a focused and clear mind. And the condor represents the spirit liberated and always connected. As we're creating a whole totem of a serpent, jaguar, and condor and become whole and you. That's a beautiful symbolism. I really love that. What brought you to shamanism, Ray? What brought me to shamanism was I was diagnosed with kidney cancer in late 2002. Wow. And I was given a quite grim image of what awaited me, uh, namely several surgeries, as what the doctor had said, and perhaps not a positive outcome. So at the moment, I was inspired by a sentence that popped up in my head from a book I had read over 20 years ago at the time from Carlos Castaneda, where this conversation between the American anthropologist Carlos Castaneda and his teacher, sorcerer, shaman, Don Juan Matus, was taking place. And Don Juan Matus tells Carlos, when death knocks on your door, change your address. So that popped up in my head. And instead of going to what seemed to be an attempt to do several surgeries and perhaps maybe survive, I decided to travel the world and find shamans. I had heard so much about people that did healing, so much people that did miracles that I believed that they must be true. So I ventured through Mexico. I found many people there and I have gratitude for every person that I met, those who helped a little or not. And eventually found my way again to Peru where I really clicked, really found my way. But to offer also a disclaimer here and to clarify something, as many things were clarified for me in my whole ordeal or my adventure, if you want, is that in 2005, I did have one surgery at the National Institute of Health. And I had one surgery only in my right kidney. The rest of the things that were happening in my body were taking care of the shamans. So after my surgery, I would go to Peru, I would go to the jungle, I would do work with crystals, with rattles, a lot with medicine plants that I would drink. If you want, in some way, these medicine plants were my chemotherapy. Hmm. But it's definite that in my post-op checkups, what the doctors saw was an incredible healing process. And characteristically, my doctor said, whatever you're doing, Ray, keep on doing. I understand that shamans, even the surgeons are shamans. I believe that the surgery I had was of utmost importance for me to stay alive. But I also know very clearly that if I had just done the surgery and returned to my previous life, my previous dis-ease would return. But the fact that I worked with the shamans changed my way of thinking, changed my way of processing things through my mind, through my neuron pathways, through my endocrine system, and changed the reality inside all of my body. So you're a perfect example of integrative medicine. I guess I am. I guess I am. And I'm definitely a strong believer. I think we should use it all. There's a time for an antibiotic, and there's a time for rattling and chanting and a fire ceremony. And when it comes to fire ceremonies and rattling and chanting, what do you think they do? How do they change energy? So let's take the fire, for example, which I think is a very powerful shamanic tool of shift, of change, of transformation. Fire ceremony itself creates what is called a memorable moment to the subconscious. See, what happens, most of the diseases that we face, the disease that comes in our life, a lot of it is happening in our unconscious mind. 
And, you know, when we have problems, we try to go to the therapist, we talk about it, which is really good. But one of the things that shamans say is that we need to drop the veil between conscious and subconscious so to reach further back in the subconscious to make the changes there. So in the fire ceremony, what happens to the mind is we go into this other state, what we call second attention. And in this attention, actual shifts and changes happen in the thought patterns of the subconscious. So these small changes through fire or rattling or with feathers can really change significantly what is happening in the background of our whole immune system and the whole part of the way we think. Can you offer any simple tips on how to bring shamanic tools into your life, even if you're not in Peru studying with a shaman? I'd say that if you feel that there's a problem that you can't work with, do a fire ceremony. If there's something that saddens you or is angers you or upsets you, light a fire and sit close to the fire. Take a stick and mention what it is that upsets you. Say, this is what makes me really angry. And blow into the stick and then throw it into the fire and watch that burn. Another way to do it also is with water. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling something's weighing down on you, go close to a big body of water, maybe the sea or a lake or even a river. Find a stone, holding the stone close to your heart. Meditate on what it is that is hurting you or upsetting you. Blow it into the stone three times and then throw it into the river and allow it to leave you. What shamans know and what they offer is the power of symbolism. And when we bring this into life, we can accelerate a lot of our healing processes. I want to thank you so much for talking with me, Ray. It's fascinating work. Thank you, Portland. It was my pleasure. If you'd like more information about Ray Christ's work or workshops, you can go to jaguarpath.com. That's J-A-G-U-A-R-P-A-T-H dot com. I'm Portland Helmick. Thank you for listening to Kropalu Perspectives. Kropalu Perspectives is a production of Kropalu Center for Yoga and Health, the nation's leading retreat center for yoga and holistic living, offering workshops, trainings, and retreats in Western Massachusetts. Visit us online at kropalu.org. That's K-R-I-P-A-L-U.org.